0: Thanks so much for your listenership and support. Good evening. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind and send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading book two and three from Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. The Second Book Number One Remember how long thou hast already put off these things, and how often a certain day and hour, as it were, having been set unto thee by the gods, thou hast neglected it, It is high time for thee to understand the true nature both of the world, whereof thou art a part, and of that lord and governor of the world, from whom, as a channel from the spring, thou thyself didst flow, and that there is but a certain limit of time appointed unto thee, which? If thou shalt not make use of to calm and allay the many distempers of thy soul, it will pass away, and thou with it, and never after return. Number two, let it be thy earnest and incessant care as a Roman and a man to perform whatsoever it is that thou art about, with true and unfeigned gravity, natural affection, freedom and justice, and as for all other cares and imaginations, how thou mayest ease thy mind of them, which thou shalt do, if thou shalt go about every action as thy last action, free from all vanity, all passionate and willful aberration from reason, and from all hypocrisy and self-love and dislike of those things which by the fates or appointment of God have happened unto thee. Thou seest that those things, which for a man to hold on in a prosperous course, and to live for divine life, are requisite and necessary, are not many for the gods, will require no more of any man, that shall but keep and observe these things. Number 3. Do, soul, do, abuse and contemn thyself, yet a while and the time for thee to respect thyself will be at an end. Every man's happiness depends from himself, but behold thy life is almost at an end, whilst affording thyself no respect. Thou dost make thy happiness to consist in the soul and conceits of other men. Number 4 Why should any of these things that happen externally so much distract thee? Give thyself leisure to learn some good thing and cease roving and wandering to and fro. Thou must also take heed of another kind of wandering, for they are idle in their actions, who toil and labor in this life, and have no certain scope to which to direct all their motions and desires. Number 5. For not observing the state of another man's soul, scarce was ever any man known to be unhappy. Tell whoever they may be that intend not, and guide not by reason and discretion the motions of their own souls, they must of necessity be unhappy. Number 6 these things thou must always have in mind. What is the nature of the universe, and what is mine in particular? This unto that what relation it hath, what kind of part of what kind of universe it is, and that there is nobody that can hinder thee, but that thou mayest Always both do and speak those things which are agreeable to nature, whereof thou art a part. Number seven. Theophratus, where he compares sin with sin, as after a vulgar sense such things I grant may be compared says well and like a philosopher, that those sins are greater which are committed through lust than those which are committed through anger. For he that is angry seems with a kind of grief and close contraction of himself, to turn away from reason. But he that sins through lust being overcome by pleasure, doth in his very sin betray a more impotent and unmanlike disposition. Well then, and like a philosopher does he say, that he of the two is the more to be condemned, that sin with pleasure, than he that sin with grief. For indeed this latter may seem first to have been wronged, and so in some manner through grief thereof to have been forced to be angry. Whereas he who through lust doth commit anything, did of himself merely resolve upon the action. Number 8. Whatsoever thou dost effect, whatsoever thou dost project, so do, and so project all, as one who, for aught thou knowest, may at this very present depart out of this life. And as for death, if there be any gods, it is no grievous thing to leave the society of men. The gods will do thee no hurt, thou mayest be sure, but if it be so that there be no gods, or that they take no care of the world, why should I desire to live in a world void of gods and of all divine providence? But gods there be certainly, and they take care of the world. And as for those things which be truly evil, as vice and wickedness, such things they have put in a man's own power, that he might avoid them if he would. And had there been anything besides that had been truly bad and evil, they would have had the care of that also, that a man might have avoided it. But should that be thought to hurt and prejudice a man's life in this world, which cannot any ways make man himself the better or the worse in his own person, neither must we think that the nature of the universe did either through ignorance pass these things or if not as ignorant of them yet as unable either to prevent or better to order and dispose them. It cannot be that she through want either of power or skill should have committed such a thing, so as to suffer all things both good and bad, equally and promiscuously, to happen unto all both good and bad. As for life, therefore, and death, honour and dishonour, labour and pleasure, Riches and poverty, all these things happen unto men indeed, both good and bad, equally. But as things which of themselves are neither good or bad, because of themselves, neither shameful nor praiseworthy. Number 9. Consider how quickly all things are dissolved and resolved, the bodies and substances themselves, into the matter and substance of the world, and their memories into the general age and time of the world. Consider the nature of all worldly sensible things, of those especially Which either ensnare by pleasure, Or for their irksomeness are dreadful, Or for their outward lustre and show, Are in great esteem and request. How vile and contemptible, How base and corruptible, How destitute of all true life and being they are. Number ten. It is the part of a man endowed with a good understanding faculty to consider what they themselves are in very deed, from whose bare conceits and voices honour and credit do proceed, as also what it is to die and how, if a man shall consider this by itself alone, to die, and separate from it in his mind all those things with which it usually represent themselves unto us, he can conceive of it no otherwise than as of a work of nature, and he that fears any work of nature is a very child. Now death, it is not only a work of nature, but also conducing to nature. Number 11. Considering with thyself how man, and by what part of his, is joined unto God, and how that part of man is affected when it is said to be diffused. There is nothing more wretched than that soul, which in a kind of circuit compasseth all things, searching, as he saith, even the very depths of the earth, and by all signs and conjecture, prying into the very thoughts of other men's souls." and yet of this is not sensible that it is sufficient for a man to apply himself wholly, and to confine all his thoughts and cares to the tendance of that spirit which is within him, and truly and really to serve him. His service doth consist in this, that a man keep himself pure from all violent passion and evil affection, from all rashness and vanity, and from all manner of discontent, either in regard of the gods or men. For indeed, whatsoever proceeds from the gods deserves respect for their worth and excellency. And whatsoever proceeds from men, as they are kinsmen, should by us be entertained with love, always, sometimes as proceeding from their ignorance, of that which is truly good and bad. A blindness no less than that by which we are not able to discern between black and white, with a kind of pity and compassion also. Number twelve. If thou shouldst live three thousand, or as many as ten thousands of years, yet remember this, that man can part with no life properly, save with that little part of life which he now lives, and that which he lives is no other than that which at every instance he parts with. That then which is longest of duration, and that which is shortest, come both to one effect. For although in regard of that which is already past, There may be some inequality, yet that time which is now present and in being is equal unto all men. And that being it which we part with whensoever we die, it doth manifestly appear that it can be but a moment of time that we then part with. For as for that which is either past or to come, a man cannot be said properly to part with. For how should a man part with that which he hath not? These two things therefore thou must remember. First, that all things in the world from all eternity... By a perpetual revolution of the same times and things, ever continued and renewed, are of one kind of nature, so that whether for a hundred or two hundred years only, or for an infinite space of time, a man see those things which are still the same, it can be no matter of great moment. And secondly, that that life which any the longest liver, or the shortest liver parts with, is for length and duration the very same, for that only which is present is that which either of them can lose, as being that only which they have. For that which he hath not, no man can truly be said to lose. Number 13 Remember that all is but opinion and conceit, for those things are plain and apparent which were spoken unto Monimus the Cynic and as plain and apparent is the use that may be made of those things. If that which is true and serious in them be received as well that which is sweet and pleasing. Number 14 A man's soul doth wrong and disrespect itself first and especially, when as much as itself lies it becomes an apostom, and as it were an excrescency of the world, for to be grieved and displeased with anything that happens in the world is direct apostasy from the nature of the universe, part of which all particular natures of the world are Secondly, when she either is adverse from any man, or led by contrary desires or affections, tending to his hurt and prejudice, such as are the souls of them that are angry. Thirdly, when she is overcome by any pleasure or pain. Fourthly, when she doth dissemble and covertly and falsely either doth or saith anything. Fifthly, when she doth either effect or endeavour anything to no certain end, by rashly and without due rationation and consideration, how consequent or inconsequent it is. To the common end. For even the least thing ought not to be done without relation unto the end, and the end of the reasonable creature is to follow and obey him, who is the reason, as it were, and the law of this great city and ancient commonwealth. Number 15. The time of a man's life is at a point, the substance of it ever flowing, the sense obscure, and the whole composition of the body tending to corruption. His soul is restless, fortune uncertain, and fame doubtful. To be brief, as a stream so are all things belonging to the body. As a dream, or as a smoke, so are all things that belong unto the soul. Our life is a warfare and a mere pilgrimage. Fame after life is no better than oblivion. What is it that then will adhere and follow? Only one thing, philosophy. And philosophy doth consist in this, for a man to preserve that spirit which is within him from all manner of contumelies and injuries, and above all pains or pleasures, never to do anything either rashly, or feignedly, or hypocritically, wholly to depend himself and his own proper actions, or things that happen unto him to embrace contentedly, as coming from him from whom himself also came, and above all things, with all meekness and a calm cheerfulness, to expect death as being nothing else but the resolution of those elements, of which every creature is composed. And if the elements themselves suffer nothing by this their perpetual Conversation of one into another, that dissolution and alteration which is so common unto all, why should it be feared by any? Is not this according to nature? But nothing that is according to nature can be evil. The Third Book Number One A man must not only consider how daily his life wasteth and decreaseth, but this also, that if he live long, he cannot be certain whether his understanding shall continue so able and sufficient. For either discreet consideration, in matter of business, or for contemplation, it being the thing, whereon true knowledge of things both divine and human, both depend. For if once he shall begin to dote, his respiration, nutrition, his imaginative and a and other natural faculties may still continue the same he shall find no want of them but how to make that right use of himself that he should how to observe exactly in all things that which is right and just how to redress and rectify all wrong or sudden apprehensions and imaginations, and even on this particular, whether he should live any longer or no, to consider duly for all such things, wherein the best strength and vigor of the mind is most requisite. His power and ability will be past and gone, Thou must hasten, therefore, not only because thou art every day nearer unto death than other, but also because that intellective faculty in thee, whereby thou art enabled to know the true nature of things, and to order all thy actions by that knowledge, doth daily waste and decay, or may fail thee before thou die. Number 2 This also thou must observe, that whatsoever it is that naturally doth happen to things natural, hath somewhat in itself that is pleasing and delightful, as a great loaf when it is baked, Some parts of it cleave, as it were, and part asunder, and make the crust of it rugged and unequal, and yet those parts of it, though in some sort it be against the art and intention of baking itself, that they are thus cleft and parted, which should have been and were first made, all even and uniform, they became it well nevertheless, and have a certain peculiar property to stir the appetite. So figs are accounted fairest and ripest then, when they begin to shrink and wither as it were. So ripe olives when they are next to putrefaction, Then are they in their proper beauty, the hanging down of grapes, the brow of a lion, the froth of a foaming wild boar, and many other things, though by themselves considered, they are far from any beauty, yet because they happen naturally, they both are comely and delightful. So that if a man shall with a profound mind and apprehension consider all things in the world, even among all those things which are but mere accessories and natural appendices, as it were, there will scarce appear anything unto him wherein he will not find matter of pleasure and delight so will he behold with as much pleasure the true rictus of wild beast as those which by skilful painters and other artificers are imitated. So will he be able to perceive the proper ripeness and beauty of old age, whether in man or woman. And whatsoever else it is that is beautiful and alluring in whatsoever is, with chaste and continent eyes, he will soon find out and discern. Those and many other things will be discern, not credible unto everyone, but unto them only who are truly and familiarly acquainted both with nature itself and all natural things. Number 3 Hippocrates, having cured many sicknesses, fell sick himself and died. The Chaldeans and astrologians having foretold the deaths of divers, were afterwards themselves surprised by the fates. Alexander and Pompeius and Caius Caesar, having destroyed so many towns and cut off in the field so many thousands, both of horse and foot, yet they themselves at last were fain to part with their own lives. Heraclitus, having written so many natural tracts concerning the last and general configuration of the world, died afterwards all filled with water within, and all dedabbed with dirt and dung without. Lice killed Democritus, and Socrates another sort of vermin, wicked, ungodly men. How then stands the case? Thou hast taken ship, thou hast sailed, thou art come to land, go out. If to another life, there also shalt thou find gods, who are everywhere. If all life and sense shall cease, also to be subject to either pains or pleasures, and to serve and tend this vile cottage, so much the viler by how much that which ministers unto it doth excel, the one being a rational substance and a spirit, the other nothing but earth and blood. Number 4 Spend not the remnant of thy days in thought, and fancies concerning other men, when it is not in relation to some common good, when by it thou art hindered from some other better work. That is, spend not thy time in thinking what such a man doth, and to what end, what he saith, and what he thinks, and what he is about, and such other things or curiosities, which make a man to rove and wander from the care and observation of that part of himself, which is rational and overruling. See therefore in the whole series and connection of thy thoughts that thou be careful to prevent whatsoever is idle and impertinent but especially, whatsoever is curious and malicious, and thou must use thyself to think only of such things, of which if a man upon a sudden should ask thee, what it is that thou art now thinking, thou mayest answer this and that freely and boldly, That so by thy thoughts it may presently appear that in all thee is sincere and peaceable, as becometh one that is made for society, and regards not pleasure, nor gives way to any voluptuous imaginations at all, free from all contentiousness, envy, and suspicion, and from whatsoever else thou wouldst blush to confess thy thoughts were set upon. He that is such is he surely that doth not put off to lay hold on that which is best indeed. A very priest and minister of the gods, well acquainted and in good correspondence with him, especially that is seated, and placed within himself, as in a temple and sacrary, to whom also he keeps and preserves himself, unspotted by pleasure, undaunted by pain, free from any manner of wrong or contumely, by himself offered unto himself, not capable of any evil from others, a wrestler of the best sort and for the highest prize, that he may not be cast down by any passion or affection of his own, deeply dyed and drenched in righteousness, embracing and accepting with his whole heart whatsoever either happeneth or is allotted unto him, one who not often nor without some great necessity tending to some public good, mindeth what any other either speaks, or doth, or purposeth, for those things only that are in his own power, or that are truly his own, are the objects of his employments, and his thoughts are ever taken up with those things, Which of the whole universe are by the fates or providence Destinated and appropriated under himself? Those things that are his own and in his own power He himself takes order For that they be good And as for those that happen unto him He believes them to be so For that lot and portion which is assigned to everyone, as it is unavoidable and necessary, so is it always profitable. He remembers besides that whatsoever partakes of reason is akin unto him, and that to care for all men generally is agreeing to the nature of man. But as for honour and praise, that they ought not generally to be admitted and accepted of from all, but from such only who live according to nature. As for them that do not, what manner of men they be at home or abroad, day or night, how conditioned themselves with what manner of conditions, or with men of what conditions they moil and pass away the time together. He knoweth and remembers right well. He therefore regards not such praise and approbation as proceeding from them who cannot like and approve themselves. Number 5. Do nothing against thy will, nor contrary to the community, nor without due examination, nor with reluctancy. Affect not to set out thy thoughts with curious neat language. Be neither a great talker, nor a great undertaker. Moreover, Let thy God that is in thee to rule over thee find by thee that he hath to do with a man, an aged man, a sociable man, a Roman, a prince, one that hath ordered his life as one that expecteth, as it were, nothing but the sound of the trumpet, Sounding a retreat to depart out of this life with all expedition. One who for his word or actions neither needs an oath nor any man to be a witness. Number six. To be cheerful and to stand in no need, either of men's help. Or attendance, or of that rest and tranquility, which thou must be beholding to others for. Rather like one that is straight of himself, or hath ever been straight, than one that hath been rectified. Number seven. If thou shalt find anything in this mortal life better than righteousness, than truth, temperance, fortitude, and in general better than a mind contented with both things, which according to right and reason she doth, and in those which without her will and knowledge happen unto thee by the providence. If I say, thou canst find out anything better than this, apply thyself unto it with thy whole heart, and that which is best wheresoever thou dost find it, enjoy freely. But if nothing thou shalt find worthy to be preferred to that spirit which is within thee, if nothing better than to subject unto thee thine own lusts and desires, and not to give way to any fancies or imaginations before thou hast duly considered of them, Nothing better than to withdraw thyself, to use Socrates his words, from all sensuality, and submit thyself unto the gods, and to have care of all men in general. If thou shalt find that all things, in comparison of this, are but vile, and of little moment, Then give not way to any other thing, which being once though but affected and inclined unto, it will no more be in thy power without all distraction, as thou oughtest to prefer and to pursue after that good, which is thine own and thy proper good. For it is not lawful that anything that is of another and inferior kind and nature, be it what it will, as either popular applause or honour or riches or pleasures, should be suffered to confront and contest, as it were, with that which is rational And operatively good. For all these things, if once though but for a while, they begin to please, they presently prevail, and pervert a man's mind, or turn a man from the right way. Do thou therefore, I say, absolutely and freely. Make choice of that which is best, and stick unto it. Now, that they say is best, which is most profitable. If they mean profitable to man as he is a rational man, stand thou to it, and maintain it. But if they mean profitable as he is a creature, only reject. It, and from this thy tenant and conclusion, keep off carefully all plausible shows and colours of external appearance, that thou mayest be able to discern things rightly. Number eight, never esteem of anything as profitable which shall ever constrain thee either to break thy faith, or to lose thy modesty, to hate any man, to suspect, to curse, to dissemble, to lust after anything that requireth the secret of walls or veils, but he that prefereth before all things his rational part and spirit, and the sacred mysteries of virtue which issueth from it, he shall never lament and exclaim, never sigh, he shall never want either solitude or company, and which is chiefest of all, he shall live without either desire or fear. And as for life, whether for a long or short time, he shall enjoy his soul thus compassed about with his body. He is altogether indifferent. For if even now he were to depart, he is as ready for it as for any other action, which may be performed with modesty and decency. For all his life long, this is his only care, that his mind may always be occupied in such intentions and objects as are proper to a rational Sociable creature. Number nine. In the mind that is once truly disciplined and purged, thou canst not find anything, either foul or impure, or as it were festered, nothing that is either servile or affected. No partial tie, no malicious adverseness, nothing obnoxious, nothing concealed. The life of such an one, death can never surprise as imperfect, as of an actor that should die before he had ended, or the play itself were at an end, a man might speak. Number 10. Use thine opinionative faculty with all honour and respect, for in her indeed is all, that thy opinion do not beget in thy understanding anything contrary to either nature or the proper constitution of a rational creature. The end and object of a rational constitution is, to do nothing rashly, to be kindly affected towards men, and in all things willing to submit unto the gods. Casting therefore all other things aside, keep thyself to these few and remember withal that no man properly can be said to live more than which he is now present, which is but a moment of time. Whatsoever is besides either is already past or uncertain. The time, therefore, that any man doth live is but a little, and the place where he liveth is but a very little corner of the earth, and the greatest fame that can remain of a man after his death, even that is but little, and that too, such as it whilst it is, is by the succession of silly mortal men perversed, whose likewise shall shortly die, and even whilst they live know not what in very deed they themselves are, and much less can know one who long before is dead and gone. Number 11 To these ever-present helps and mementos, let one more be added, ever to make a particular description and delineation, as it were, of every object that presents itself to thy mind, that thou mayest wholly and thoroughly contemplate it, in its own proper nature, bare and naked, wholly And severally, divided into its several parts and quarters, and then by thyself in thy mind, to call both it and those things of which doth consist, and in which it shall be resolved by their own proper true names and appellations. For there is nothing so effectual to beget true magnanimity as to be able truly and methodically to examine and consider all things that happen in this life, and so to penetrate into their natures, that at the same time this also may occur in our apprehensions. What is the true use of it? And what is the true nature of the universe to which it is useful? How much in regard of the universe may it be esteemed? How much in regard of man, a citizen of supreme city, of which all other cities in the world are as it were, but houses and families. Number Twelve What is this, that now my fancy is set upon? Of what things doth it consist? How long can it last? Which of all the virtues is the proper virtue for this present use? As whether meekness, fortitude, truth, faith, sincerity, contentation, or any other of the rest. Of everything, therefore, thou must use thyself to say, This immediately comes from God, this by that fatal connection and consentation of things, or, which almost comes to one, by some coincidental causality. And as for this, it proceeds from my neighbor, my kinsman, my fellow, through his ignorance indeed, because he knows not what is truly natural unto him, But I know it, and therefore carry myself towards him according to the natural law of fellowship, that is kindly and justly. As for those things that of themselves are altogether indifferent, as in my best judgment, I conceive everything to deserve more or less so I carry myself towards it. Number 13 If thou shalt intend that which is present, following the rule of right and reason carefully, solidly, meekly, and shalt not intermix any other business but shall study this only to preserve thy spirit unpolluted and pure, and shall cleave unto him without either hope or fear of anything, in all things that thou shalt either do or speak. Contenting thyself with heroical truth, thou shalt live happily, and from this there is no man that can hinder thee. Number 14 As physicians and churigons have always their instruments ready at hand for all sudden cures, so have thou always thy dogmata in a readiness for the knowledge of things, both divine and human, and whatsoever thou dost, even in the smallest things that thou dost, thou must ever remember that mutual relation and connection that is between these two things divine and things human. For without relation unto God, thou shalt never speed in any worldly action, nor on the other side in any divine, without some respect had to things human. Number 15. Be not deceived, for thou shalt never live to read thy mortal commentaries, nor the acts of the famous Romans and Grecians, nor those excerpt from several books, all which thou hast provided and laid up for thyself against thine old age. Hasten therefore to an end, and giving over all vain hopes, help thyself in time if thou carest for thyself, as thou oughtest to do. Number sixteen. To steal, to sow, to buy, to be at rest, to see what is to be done which is not Seen by the eyes, but by another kind of sight. What these words mean, and how many ways to be understood, they do not understand. The body, the soul, the understanding. As the senses naturally belong to the body, And the desires and affections to the soul, so do the dogmata to the understanding. Number 17. To be capable of fancies and imaginations is common to man and beast. To be violently drawn and moved by the lusts and desires of the soul is proper to wild beasts and monsters such as Phalaris and Nero were. To follow reason for ordinary duties and action is common to them also. Who believe not that there be any gods and for their advantage would make no conscience to betray their own country, and who when once the doors be shut upon them, dare do anything. If therefore all things else be common to these likewise, it follows that for a man to like and embrace all things that happen and are destined unto him, and not to trouble and molest that spirit which is seated in the temple of his own breast with a multitude of vain fancies and imaginations, but to keep him proprietous and to obey him as a god. Never either speaking anything contrary to truth, or doing anything contrary to justice, is the only true property of a good man. And such a one, though no man should believe that he liveth as he doth, either sincerely and conscionably or cheerful and contentedly, yet is he neither with any man at all angry for it, nor diverted by it from the way that leadeth to the end of his life, through which a man must pass pure, ever ready to depart, and willing of himself without any compulsion to fit and accommodate himself to his proper lot and portion."